Hello and welcome to the second part of our episode on cancelled movies in the Marvel Cinema Podcast. I am still one of your co-hosts, Henry Murray, and this is... What are co-host? I'm a new co-host. I am Adam. I am your other co-host, Matthew. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a continuation of our other episode because it's getting a bit long, like cut in half, essentially. Uh, Basically. Yeah. And this, I kind of want to go through, because it's quite a big subject overall, because there's a lot of, it's kind of like 40 years of history, really, on this one. Um, George Lucas's original plans for Star Wars in general, but specifically the sequel sequel trilogy, which eventually went to Disney, so it was a bit different than what we were, go- we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to go back to like Return of the Jedi sort of era of um, George Lucas and his, and what he was going to do with Star Wars, because okay. it was... Oh, I meant to sorry, I meant to mention this before. <laughs> yeah. Oh doing this in the podcast. But you know like before we mentioned that um the retcon of Rex in Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, yeah. It is canon. Is it? Mm. There's oh. there's a, there's the YouTube series they did. You know there's that thing they did where they animated certain parts of the original trilogy? Yeah. There's one you sent me that pissed people off about the Death Star Escape. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's it. Well, one of them that focused on Han Solo. Yeah. Part of that happens during Endor. Oh. And one of the troopers he's with is Rex because you can see the beard and you can see the armor. Yeah. It's Rex. Yeah. Wow. So I just want to put that in there while I remembered. Because now we're going to get him. I think we're going to get Rex and Ahsoka and Mandalorian. So. Yes, we are. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. But um. But yeah, going back to like. Um, sorry, to... I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, but yeah, with George Lucas, he wanted Return of the Jedi. And the original plan for Star Wars, it was like a very big script. And it was it was essentially, I think he said it was like going to be, it was way too big to be one movie. So he cut it out. He cut like a lot of bits like from, he cut it in half, then cut it in the quarters, and then it became episodes. And the first one, obviously, was going to be episode four, which is like kind of like, the intent was to throw the audience into the middle of the story and just let them figure out themselves. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like a, a serial you would watch on TV and you have no idea what's going on. Um, and clearly that worked because a <laughs> pretty popular movie. Um, but yeah, by the, time, by the time Return of the Jedi came around, he was very um, kind of angry. Not, well, maybe not angry, but more like like disenchanted with Star Wars in general. And um, so Return of the Jedi was going to be the third movie in the second trilogy in a series of three trilogies. <laughs> um, so nine movies, and this is going to be the sixth one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Return of Jedi was going to be like a dark ending for like these characters and then meant to set up the future in 20 years' time, which is going to be a sequel trilogy. Um, so Luke and Leia originally were never siblings, apparently. And there's been a lot of back and forth with this because Joel Lucas kind of wants it to all seem like it was a part of some sort of master plan. But, <laughs> I mean, looking back on episode four, episode five, it's kind of clear that it's not that at all. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, even George Lucas himself in an interview said, like, by, the, by the time of episode six, he wanted Luke and Leia to kiss, like, properly, which, to me, screams he had no idea they were going to be siblings yet. Um, and the sequel trilogy from this was meant to be about finding the other, which um, Yoda says in episode five. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be like the shirts for another Jedi for Luke to share his life with and like share his teachings. Um, but yeah, and I think 
Yeah, when, it's going to be like a generally very much darker sequel and not the happy ending that Return of Jedi used, like, is. Um, and from that, episode seven was going to be Luke's life as a Jedi in general. And, like, I think he's going to have a wife, maybe. Um, but at the same time, they were going to introduce characters that were Anakin's grandchildren, who were going to be our point of view characters that were going to take us through the story. And, again, if you were annoyed at... Um, Ryan Johnson's depiction of Luke Skywalker he was always, even by George Lucas meant to be some sort of like hermit who was disenchanted with the force and all these different things mm. and we got to the sequel trilogy um, so I find I do find it interesting because I think it's interesting how people tear Disney and Ryan Johnson apart for that when it was always the plan <laughs> and yeah. it was very like, it's probably like very well known that was always a plan but yeah so it's going to be darker, it's going to be no, it was like Return of Jedi was not meant to be the ending of Star Wars. It was meant to be the the ending of a chapter. Whereas when you watch Return of Jedi now and the way it became, it does feel like a an ending. Yeah. Um, and the only reason we don't look at it as an ending anymore is because there are more movies. Um, but yeah, and then so then Joe Lucas went back with his word of saying there were nine movies, and then went back to saying that there was going to be this was it for Star Wars after the prequel trilogy, because um, he was very understandably he was very depressed about how everyone treated those movies yeah. which was, for the most part terrible um and i get you criticize those movies but i think the way people reacted so like horribly towards him and even now towards disney with the new trilogy is like ridiculous really it is yeah it's just full of hate and i it's like it's just like it, even though like i love movies clearly and all that and we both do at the end of the day they are just movies like they are part of a bigger life thing, you know? Yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, and Lucas's trilogy was meant to center around Anakin's two grandchildren who are around 20 years old in the trilogy. Um, so would these be Luke's children then, or would they not be Luke's children? I think I, it's hard to tell, because I think he just said Anakin's two grandchildren. So it could have been Leia's children, or it could have been Luke's. Um, but again, this was, I think this was, Episode 7 was definitely inspired by this because there's going to be a Jedi character, one of, one of the grandchildren was going to be a Jedi character called Kira, and her middle name was, was Rhea. <laughs> um, and she's described as a, a loner, hothead, gearhead, badass. To <laughs> <laughs> me, it kind of is Rhea, but with a different name, um, and not Anakin's grandchild. Um, the other was, off, it was referred to as Sam, who is very much like a Han Solo again, but I guess a bit different. We don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but over time, Ray and Finn became those characters, essentially, but different like backstories, I guess. Yeah. Um, so those are the only real similarity between his version and Dizzy's version. The sort of dark Luke Skywalker um, and the, the, the Kira and Sam characters being our new point of view um yeah but from that the very big difference is is fascinating to me because it's such an interesting way of going with it and i don't think anyone would have liked it based on how they reacted to prequels mm-hmm. um, they were meant to go into the microbiotic world of the force <laughs> so they're going to go where the microbiotic world of the force <laughs> wow yeah so Lucas obviously said midichlorians are a thing in episode one and mm-hmm. kind of like left it like that. Like that. Um, 
And everyone hated that. Everyone thought it cheapened the force and it kind of made it a biological like lottery of how good are you at magic because biological like decides it. Um, which is understandable. I don't love the midichlorian idea. No, as, I don't. But I accept it. Yeah, I accept it as like in my mind, in like my headcanon sort of thing, I go, oh, if you're powerful with the force, it just means you produce midichlorian. It's like the opposite way around. Like Yeah, that's that's why I was always thought of it. It's like yeah. you know, the midichlorian is, is like a it's an indicator of the force, but it's not the cause of the force. Yeah. Well, so I, I am still not entirely clear on if Lucas is saying that midichlorians are the cause of it or this is by cursor sort of thing. But in my mind, and your mind as well, as well uh, they are kind of, I don't want to cheapen the force in that way mm. to me. Um, but yeah, and he wanted, apparently Lucas explained to James Cameron at some point that his trilogy, the sequel trilogy, would have focused on the wills like the w hates i l l s i think i've heard this yeah yeah and an ancient life form that fed on the force um and then essentially they were going to be like actual living like macrobiotic creatures and they are the force <laughs> um so they were and then the midichlorians within four sensitive beings communicate directly with the wills allowing the super powerful beings to control the galaxy um <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's incredible so like it's so it's, complicated yeah it is and i don't know how they were ever going to explain this in a way that felt natural you know um and apparently in the star wars world human beings and people that use the force are essentially vessels for the wills or the or the um yeah the wills to travel around in so like where people that use the force are like, kind of like cars for yeah. these wills um and then it's and this is amazing how so it would have been told by it would have been told by someone else it would have been told by an immortal being so episode seven eight and nine would have been from an, an objective viewpoint told by a god essentially of a will <laughs> i don't really know um <laughs> and then i i just don't if apparently he eventually dropped this idea which i would say a good good idea um <laughs> And then, but yeah, it was still episodes seven, eight, and nine were definitely going to be centered around the wills. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's kind of famous at this point that the first title for Star Wars was going to be like the journals of Luke Skywalker, the journey of the wills, you know? Yeah. So it was all, yeah, it was always going to be there somewhere for him. Um, so apparently, the entire story of the galaxy was written by the wills, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I just. And then I just don't know where it went from there because <laughs> I don't think anyone really does know the clear pan aside from I think Gary Kirk's the producer on episode four and five and I think six um seven eight and nine um I think he was sort of disillusioned with how Joe Lucas got really bored of Star Wars and made Return of the Jedi simpler in the sense that it's just it was and not like I'm not saying bad or like a bland movie I think it's a very good movie um. And it went well, but I do think it would have been interesting to see what the original plan was for, because mm-hmm. the Emperor wasn't going to be in that movie, and it was going to be episode, only episode 9 who's going to be introduced at all. It was going to be hinting towards him throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, but I find the the, fra- the the narrative framing of the original trilogy is very much a point of view um, during like a, a normal guy in a, an extraordinary world sort of thing with Luke Skywalker. And I feel like that's a good introduction. Um, and the prequels kind of lost that in the sense that I couldn't tell you in episode one especially who the main character is 
No, I could. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it should be Qui Gon, and you also feel like it should be Anakin. Yeah, it's odd, and um, yeah, and that story is very much like society, like societal and political, and all these sort of things, and not very character centered for the most mm-hmm. part. And then it gets even like bigger and broader with uh, the sequel trilogy, where it's going to be told by a, a being. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think like. Okay, if we're using the prequels as an example of how George Lucas would have t- taken Star Wars, I think it would probably would have been not very good. However, again, with the movies that aren't movies that we don't see that were going to be made are, are always going to be more fascinating by the fact that they're not made. Mm. So, yeah. Our imagination can fill in the gaps. Yeah. So I I adore. I I don't know if anyone knows this on who's like listen to this, but we're not like we do both of us. I think love the new trilogy, the sequel trilogy. Yeah. I do, I adore it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, for me, at least, I would say it's my favourite trilogy in that Star Wars like world. Mm. And I'm sure you would agree with that. But we still like look like those movies, and I think that people behind them have put a lot of love into them, especially. Mm. Yeah, they have. And I, whilst I do love those movies, and I do think J.J. Abrams and uh, Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy and all these people have done great jobs, it's... I always do feel bad for George Lucas in a sense because he definitely gave them all his ideas to work off of and I don't think they ever used them aside from Ray and Finn. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I always feel bad for him for not getting to tell his, to tell his story the way he wanted to tell it. And the only reason he even, he even sold Disney um, Lucas Lucasfilm to Disney was because he wanted everyone to keep the drops. Um, and I just... Yeah, it's it tends with a bit of sadness the sequel trilogy because of just the general George Lucas story of him mm. just having to sell his work essentially. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's it's quite sad they had to change it because. Well, I, I I don't want to put it this way out of fear of sounding melodramatic, mm-hmm. but <laughs> basically <laughs> because the world didn't understand it. Yeah, in the a way, didn't understand him. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, he had a lot of big ideas, even for 1977. And oh, especially, yeah. Yeah, and not even just story-wise. Because, I mean, he talks a lot about how he took a lot of, like, psychology and philosophy books and mythology and put them into a structure that people could understand and took it from Joseph Campbell, um, The Hero's mm-hmm. Journey. And I don't think The Hero's Journey in movies, at least, hasn't been used that much. And... Um, Star Wars is kind of one of the big first examples of it and it's kind of what a lot of blockbusters are based off now and that's how they work mm. um, so and I think he started a big thing that still continue, continues today in that sense of stories but in visual effects I mean he started off by saying like he used to say that he would love to make a movie in his like gar- 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 uh, what do you call it? Garage? <laughs> Garage um, yeah and have it look the same quality as um, as it would be traveling around the world. Mm-hmm. And literally, right now, Mandalorian is doing that essentially. Like they yeah. have, they're not traveling around the world. They're doing it in a basement with a big screen around them, and it's working. Mm. And it's like it's we're finally at that point where the guy who said something that sounded crazy at the time is actually happening. And I do think he is a visionary in a lot of ways. And I do think. The prequels are a bit <laughs> odd and a bit messy and a bit yeah. kind of disconnected from like what made Star Wars great to begin with. But that being said, like it is his story essentially. Yeah, I, 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 I do 
believe that George Lucas and Lucasfilm have had the drive to push like the whole cinema culture to where it is today. Yeah. Because aside from pushing the technology, which they did, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you, you can laugh at the, the CGI and Phantom Menace and what have you, mm-hmm. but it was without that, where would we be? Yeah. It's like, also, yeah. You don't like you don't get Gollum or Thanos without having Jar Jar Binks to begin with. <laughs> you do. I mean, yeah. It's a paradox that you're gonna have to live with. Yeah. It's a horrible paradox in a way, but <laughs> yeah. I think that while it, it is George Lucas's vision, and it is incredible that he he has created this on his own with there's no source material. Mm-hmm. The source material is George Lucas's head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. I think, I think maybe he shouldn't have done it alone. Yeah, I think that was a lot of the, the kind of misguidedness I mean, of that. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Yeah. <laughs> because why? Why would? Why would you want to open it up to somebody else taking over? Yeah, definitely. But I think the original trilogy benefits greatly from having people work on those films as well as George Lucas. Yeah. Because I do think George Lucas needs a bit of like pushback in a way sometimes because mm. he had a lot of big ideas, but sometimes you need someone, someone to say it. these big ideas need grounding in characters and like story. And I think he got lost in a bit of mm. he's trying you're trying to tell you're trying to tell this big grand story of how the Jedi lost their way and lost power and essentially lost their greatest prophecy into the dark side. Mm. Um, and that's a great starting point for a story, but I think he took it on its. He took it as like a societal, political story, and he didn't fully nail the characters within that. So even though it was interesting to see that backstory, it was never. I would never say that I go back onto this. Like go back to those films to watch the characters do stuff. Really, mm. the they feel secondary to the ideas behind it, um, and it's. It's sad that it went that way, but I mean, he made those first three movies, and like, I mean, it's hard to like argue against him in a way. In a way. Oh, it is. Yeah. Even yeah. though that's kind of what he needed at the time from producers, because I think producers and people that were working with him just kind of said yes to everything that he wanted because he made Star Wars. Mm. Whereas episode four, five, six, he was getting a lot of pushback and a lot of maybe don't go that big yet because we can't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. You think? Would you like to have seen that trilogy or not? <laughs> um, in all honesty, mm-hmm. I think I'd have rather had what we got. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I'd probably say with certainty. Yeah, I'd rather have had what we got because all that force stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I like the that the force, the deeper force stuff that we've got in stuff like the Clone Wars. Yeah. Like with the, the the two arcs in particular with with the Mortis arc, yeah, which is addressed in Rebels as well, oh. um, and um, the other arc in Clone Wars, the one with Yoda, yeah, the end which I feel one. like very much come from the Wills. Yeah, I think that was definitely inspired by that because once I knew about the Wills, I couldn't unsee that from that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that 
I'd rather have had that in a way mm-hmm. in terms of building the force. Like I, I think with the wills, you would have lost the focus on the fact that it's about the people. Yeah. Um, and I, whilst I do love the idea of pushing Star Wars forward and changing what we know. Yeah. For like, because I do think that's how you make good sequels. You change what you think of the first one, or at least like change what you think of certain elements by expanding on it and making it a more fleshed out world. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst I think um, the sequel trilogy that we did get with Disney did that a lot with the characters, I don't think they did that that much with the world in general. No, that's um, true. They didn't make it feel like uh, a bigger universe. No, I don't think we got... Um, actually, because even though prequels have a lot of problems with the characters, I do think with the world, I feel like I know that's like a fundamental part of, the pre- of Star Wars that I can't... Mm. I don't can't detach from Star Wars because it's just like a, a great expansion of, on what happened before the original trilogy and how it used to be a clean place. And like, yeah. <laughs> you had like Senates and all these different things. And then... Um, Episode seven, eight, and nine—they're very much based off the, the original trilogy, and sometimes a bit too close in design. Um, mm. And I get that—I get criticism that they're too close um, in all aspects, but I wouldn't agree with that. I just think there's just new, interesting characters inhabiting an old world, in a sense. Yeah, um, I, I think the the fact that since uh, George Lucas created the prequel world, The Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. from that point. It's got, we've seen a lot more interesting things to do with the prequel era. Yeah, definitely. And I think that wouldn't be possible if George Lucas hadn't been as effective as he was in creating that world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like kind of like a, it's kind of a sad story, isn't it? It's got... <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But at the, at the same time, we can't take away from the fact that I do thoroughly enjoy what we have had. Yeah, and I, oh, yeah. I don't think I would want to change it. Yeah, I mean, even like the solo, the Han Solo spin-off movie, that was very much what we, we were going to get with George Lucas or not George Lucas. That was always like the plan of like int- introducing how we met Chewie and mm. how we got the and all this, and it was all meant to be. It, they did follow his guidelines, I would say at least, but I don't think they went into his new ideas in a way. No, um, even though I do think what they did with his more sort of like obvious ways of going up the new films they did do very well yeah anything else <laughs> not about not about that i don't think yeah <laughs> yeah this, this part two's turned into star wars talk it really has yeah do you want to move on yeah okay i've, I've got another one so i was i was gonna broach the subject of spider-man 4 oh okay i'm in that- <laughs> now, I would, I, one of the, when I was starting off on this I wasn't completely sure whether I should research this because I would have imagined that you would have I have, yes, <laughs> now, um, yes. I'll just go over what I think I know Okay, okay. and then I'll, I'll sort of hand it over to you <laughs> <laughs> so the source that I've sort of done delved more into um, sort of the aftermath of Spider-Man 3 Mm-hmm. And the pre-production of Spider-Man Three. Also, if you'd have watched the video that I watched, I'd have guaranteed to probably turned it off because this guy, um, this guy really didn't like Spider-Man Three. Oh, <laughs> not a fan of this guy. <laughs> but um, basically, the explanation was that for Spider-Man Three, Raimi wanted he wanted Sandman, 
mm-hmm. and he wanted um, to finish off the Harry Osborne arc. Okay, okay. But in his infinite wisdom, Harry <laughs> Arad. Yes, Harry Arad. The best man in business. <laughs> Harry Arad came in and decided to demand he put venom in. Of course, where wouldn't but you? Sam Raimi protested saying that he didn't understand Venom mm-hmm. well enough to put Venom in. Yeah. But Ari Arad made him. Yeah, of course. Ari Arad. God damn it. So they put him in and it tanked. I want to say it tanked. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it was a particularly well. Yeah. And it suffers as a direct result of Venom being in there, I think. Yeah, it definitely does, yeah. Um, I do think there are strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think you can tell which parts are (laughs) Raimi's. Yeah. Particularly with Sandman. I think Sandman's the best part of that film. Easily, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And so after that, uh, there are various interviews and various sources that said that um, Raimi wanted to do a fourth one. Uh Uh-huh. And he wanted to give it everything and make it the best one to go out on a bang and sort of make up. Because apparently Raimi didn't like Spider-Man 3. Yeah, he hates it. It's too little stare. Mm. Really, he's really like over, like he's depressed about it, essentially. Yeah. He like, he apologises for it on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And which I don't, I don't think he necessarily should do. But also it makes me admire him a little bit. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. He does care a lot about that, those movies Definitely. and everything he does, in a sense, yeah. And so he, want, he wanted to do Spider-Man 4, and he wanted to do it bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand is that it was supposed to start with Spider-Man rounding up a load of um, sort of lesser-known villains. Yeah. So um, the Shocker, Prowler, we've mentioned, and then yeah. the one that perhaps probably most well known is that he it would sort of start with him throwing an overweight Mysterio in prison mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Mysterio being played by Bruce Campbell of course why wouldn't you now for years I'd, cause I'd seen that storyboard before of him yeah. throwing, of him with Mysterio yeah and I always thought that Mysterio was set up to be the main villain of it yeah I thought he just he was like a he was definitely like a cameo almost really. Yeah, it was all, it was meant to be another one of Bruce cameo Bruce cameos, uh, Campbells. Yeah, that's what it was, <laughs> be, it was going to be Bruce cameos Campbell. Yeah, it was going to be Bruce Campbell's cameo in that film. Yeah, in the previous three in cameos again, but not a super villain. Um, yeah. So it implies by him being Mysterio that those previous three cameos in the previous three movies were Mysterio. Just fucking with Spider-Man. <laughs> I'd love that to be true. So would I. It'd be great. I would then, love it. And then also the main villain was supposed to be uh, Vulture. Mm-hmm. And apparently um, Raimi wanted Vulture for number three or something. Yeah, I think it was Vulture, Sandman and Harry Osborn, I think. Yeah. And he, I can't remember the actor now. So Markovich. Yeah, 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 he wanted John Malkovich for four. Yeah. But I think he said that he initially wanted Ben Kingsley. Oh, okay. For three. Yeah. But it changed to John Malkovich. I can see that. Yeah, I can. And then it was supposed to be like his more, most formidable villain. Mm-hmm. 
and what, what have you. Yeah. And that's all sort of... Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of all I know, aside from the fact that Raimi was sort of backstabbed. Yeah. In a he way. Really yeah. It, it was ultimately his decision, and apparently he said to Amy Pascal that... He, he he felt that they weren't all pulling in the same direction and he wanted to leave it and let them do their thing because he was tired of yeah sort of pushing where it was a very it was a very uneventful breakup it was it was mostly him just walking in and saying look I know you're planning a reboot and it's not going well with Spider-Man 4 so I don't want to waste your money so we can just cancel this and move on um, mm. so I think it's like it's a really good way to go out if you're going to go out <laughs> Yeah, you always, you always want to walk out admirably, don't you? You, yeah. you don't want to burn any bridges. Yeah. Because another thing they said they wanted, but Sony want, um, they wanted him to do the uh, Kurt Connors lizard. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. Kurt Connors is in some of the other previous ones. Yeah, it's in two and three. Yeah, like yeah, Kurt Connors is in them sort of in the background, and they wanted a, almost like a payoff for that. Yeah. Which is what they ended up doing with the reboot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think with Spider-Man Four, it was always going to be. I think even if it came out like ten years later, it was always going to be like a Raimi complete project because you wanted mm-hmm. it to be. You said before you wanted to be his best and you want to go out on a high note. Um, and I think that contradicts with um, the way the studios talk about those movies because with Spider-Man Four. I also heard that they were trying to do Spider-Man five and six at the same time. Mm. Uh, they want they still they want to like keep on going with it. I keep on like trying to get again. It's not that was the era where they started realizing they could do Sinister Six, which they're still trying to do. <laughs> so they want to have a villain sort of team up movie um, thing, but later on in, in the movies. Um, which again it was forcing Sam Raimi into a corner of like pulling pushing characters into the movie didn't want to be there. Um but yeah, and like on top on top of that for Spider-Man 4, on top of the bullshit, it's meant to be also uh, Black Cat, I think. Um, oh yeah. It yeah. was the, the the thing where I got most of my research for said they were supposed to have I, I apologize if I get the name wrong. Is it Felicia Hardy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was meant to be in it. But the the thing that I was reading said that she wasn't meant to be Black Cat. Yeah, well, it's, she was it's going like, to be like the Vulture-S or something. Yeah, there's been some like mixed reports on this because she was when Anne Hathaway was definitely almost in it. It was if it was going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was going to be Black Cat, and then and then at some point she was going to throughout the movie transform into the Vulture-S. Um, I don't know. That's not a character in the comics, I don't think. No. And I don't know where it came from. But then Sam Raimi, I think Sam Raimi later on, said that that was never at all on the, on the playing cards. That was never going to happen. Um, okay. So I'm not, again, with the Black Cat thing, I'm not at all sure about that. But we're going to do a Vulture, and um, anything to do with Vulture, I know for a fact was going to be, it was going to be the, the point of interest there. Yeah. But I think there's definitely some storyboards out there of... Spider-Man fighting the Vulture in yeah, like, really. the city. They're interesting to look at <laughs> um, of a movie we'll never see, I don't think. <laughs> mm. it had been wonderful. I'm, researching this has made me actually quite happy that he's doing Doctor Strange. 
Yeah, definitely. So I feel like he, in the comic book realm, he perhaps deserves a bit of vindication. Yeah, definitely. Or at least a shot at it. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I feel like, although Marvel are going to, they are going to demand certain things are going to be in there. Yeah. I feel like they're not going to do it, do it, they're not going to overwhelm him. Yeah. Like I think, because Feige's worked with him before, Feige knows him. Yeah. I don't think they're going to overwhelm him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because Kevin, Kevin Feige worked on Spider-Man 2 and 3, I think. Mm. Um, and again, a lot of lessons that he learned to make better movies of the MCU came from those movies. And yeah. Spider-Man 3, I think, is Kevin, Kevin Feige often goes back to it as a big example of, like, just don't put too much into it. Yeah, He worked on that as well as he was in the... He worked with X-Men as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that. Mm. Um, yeah, but like with Four, I'm half glad that it didn't happen and half sad that it didn't as well because obviously I love Spider-Man Two and One. I like Spider-Man Three quite a bit, um, and I would have loved to have it go out on a on like the best note possible and just like like kill it. Really, I would love to like have that, but again. It didn't look like it was going to go that way, so it would have been we would have fought back on the Spider-Man quadrilogy <laughs> as two good movies, two bad movies maybe, and mm. I would rather have Spider-Man one, two, and Spider-Man three. You know, I'd rather just have yeah. that. Um, so yeah, take what we got and sort of move on anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that sort of that also sort of feeds into the the Spider-Man reboot. Yeah. With, <laughs> um, Andrew the, Garfield. Andrew Garfield, because yeah. apparently the guy that uh, Raimi brought in to write Spider-Man 4 mm-hmm. was also supposedly around the same time um, also hired by Sony to write Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, James Vanderbilt, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he came on and I think I used an interview where he said, he was very excited about Spider-Man 4 because no one had ever on purpose wrote an ending to a superhero franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that confirms, at least on on one point, that it was meant to be the ending. Um, mm. But then, obviously, they rebooted and this brought him to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. I was also going to mention um, Amazing Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that was my next one as well. Do <laughs> you want to do that one, then? I'll let you do that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so quick history on Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man 1, I think, is pretty good, I, I would say. I don't mm. hate it. I think Andrew Garfield's great. I think Gwen, um, Emma Stone's great. Um, I think it's a bit of a rehash, and it's not as uh, dynamic as maybe the other movies are. But I do like the characters a lot, and I do think they could have went in a good way going forward. Um Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a mess, <laughs> um, and that's like putting it lightly. It's it's stuffed to the brim with just it too, way too much of like spies and different. Like, oh, it's it's not good, I would say. And um, even though I do enjoy the characters still within that world, um, it's doing that. It did that thing where I think it wanted to do it wanted to set up a universe like Marvel's universe or DC's. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Owen had one character, um, so what they want to do they want, again. I think we've talked about this before, but the backpacks, the backpack room, um, mm-hmm. 
if anyone doesn't know, there's an ele- at the end of Maze Final 2, a guy goes down an elevator and he goes into this room. <laughs> and this room <laughs> this room is full of rooms, different rooms, that have Doc Ock's arms, the vulture's wings. And in the trailer spot that had the Venom in it, not in the actual movie, um, that had the rhino suit. Uh, so it had all these different villains' origin stories that had so like so essentially said to the audience that every evil person villain coming forward is going to be from Oscorp and we are going to rush them to just be some guy that comes in and puts on the vulture backpack <laughs> and becomes the vulture. <laughs> um, so eventually they cheat, they just kind of like rushed the rushed to the finish line, nicking this movie and just wanted to set up a universe. And then that really comes becomes obvious with Amazing Spider-Man 3, where, again, they were going for way too many villains, and they wanted, at the same time, to do Silver and Black, like I said before, Venom, Morbius, which we are going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the important thing here to really highlight is just the, the weird script and what we know about it is that in Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, Green Goblin... Norman Osborn dies and of a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a deleted scene in the second movie, and we've actually seen, there's actually is like a screenshot of it, then it is definitely real then, is we see Norman Osborn's head in like an ice box. <laughs> um, and it's meant to imply, like it's big, maybe a big cliffhanger that is going to come back, essentially, that mm-hmm. they're going to clone or something his body to come back. So... Spider-Man 3, the main Spider-Man 3 would, would be based off the idea that Spider-Man's blood is magical <laughs> and it would bring back all the dead characters from the series. So Norman would be back. Gwen, who would just die in the last movie, yeah. would be back. Um, and so would Captain Stacy, Gwen's dad. I was going to say, one of the main things I saw from this is an interview with Dennis Leary, yeah. who, is, um, who is Captain Stacy. Mm-hmm. And he was saying they were going to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, it was it was going to be <laughs> interesting. Um, it essentially would have cancelled out death in the series for one. Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> um, and I think I think this was just I think it, somehow it, this is just not going to go anywhere good ever. This third movie in that series, um, yes. I think there's a video that came out very recently of. Andrew Garfield signing some autographs, and someone said to him that he's that Andrew Garfield's his favorite Spider-Man actor, and he really wished that the third movie happened. And then Andrew Garfield says thanks and laughs, and then says something like, "You really, you really didn't, you really didn't want to actually see that movie, the third one, as in like the third movie would have been not good, but like he, like he knows more than anyone else in the room because he knew what was going to happen and it was going to be terrible." Mm. Um, and uh, again, Andrew Garfield, even before this, even before the movie was actually cancelled, I think Andrew Garfield got fired from Spider-Man because he was late for a meeting once. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, it was, it was um, the Sony president Yeah, was doing like, um, he was supposed to do like a big press conference, an event. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing was he was going to introduce Andrew Garfield and he was supposed to come on the stage. Yeah. But they flew Andrew Garfield in. Yeah. On like a really long flight, yeah, and it was it expected him to just basically go straight onto the stage, mm-hmm. but he he had to say that he can't because he was jet lagged, yeah, and he, he physically <laughs> couldn't do it, yeah, and then they and then he fired him because of that. 
that's like petty, isn't it? That's like your business heads, like, can't you just like get over yourselves? Like, <laughs> oh wow. So they have lost the actor that's playing the main character. The script is like obviously terrible. They're rushing a cinematic universe that no one really wants to begin with. And but, yeah, the cinematic it's... universe that when you showed the script, the script for the second one to the head of Marvel told mm-hmm. you not to do it. Yeah, the, yeah. He said, "Just don't do it." <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the only man that has successfully built a cinematic universe <laughs> has told yeah. you not to do it. Yeah, that's a pretty good indicator of like not like just don't do it. Um, but yeah, um, it was. <laughs> um, I just. I would. I think the only way we're ever going to see Andrew Garfield again in a good movie of Spider-Man would be a Spider-Verse cartoon, mm-hmm. or even maybe they go live action with the Spider-Verse thing. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think that's the. I think currently that's the only way we're going to see him ever again. And I, I, I really like Tom Holland. I obviously love um, Tobey Maguire, but as an actor and as a person, I think my favorite actor to portray Spider-Man is Andrew Garfield because I, I think, think he. Yeah, he does. He is great in that role, and I think he's he's handling a lot of bad scripting, obviously. Um, and he still somehow he still kind of rises above it. And I think, um, and I also as, as a person, Andrew Garfield, he I think out of all of them loves the character the most easily. Mm. Um, and I don't think I don't think you have to necessarily love the character to play the character to begin with. Um, I think it's very interesting sometimes, sometimes when you get an actor that doesn't really have any sort of connection to them and then mm. let them have an interpretation. Like, I don't think Mark Keaton loved Batman or even Tobey Maguire, but there is something kind of like lovely and like heartwarming about how much Andrew Garfield loved the character and then got to play the character. And then again, heartbreaking because he was in two me- mediocre, mediocre to bad movies, really. Um, yeah, it's kind of a sad story for him in that regard. It is. I, yeah. I feel like all of them, in a way, should both Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. They deserve that Spider Verse film to, in a, in a way, go out on an absolute high. Yeah, they because need that ending. <laughs> in in portraying those characters, they have both contributed enormously to what superhero films are, what comic book films are. Yeah, definitely. The um, I think. The Sam Raimi movies kind of highlighted the best part of Marvel, and mm. then his final movies kind of highlighted the worst part of making superhero <laughs> movies. Um, but they're very, they're very contrasting <laughs> movies. But they do, they do start, they do like kick, kick anything off in a sense. Mm. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that because it's just a, it's a terrible idea making that third movie. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was one of the ones I think I'm glad didn't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I I sort of have I have one more thing left, mm-hmm. which I suppose since it's a part two, this really should have been in the first episode since it's the same director as before. <laughs> okay. But um, in terms of reboots, Bomb Camp's attempt to reboot RoboCop. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't heard much about this. So I'm, I'm mainly putting this in because I feel like I have to after I put it in the advert. Mm-hmm. But um, so after Aliens, or the Alien Five thing, mm-hmm. after that collapsed, um, <laughs> yeah. he was he was brought on board to direct the RoboCop soft reboot. 
mm-hmm. which which this is a fascinating thing because this is technically still happening. Is it? Sort is sort of still happening, but it's not happening in the way that we probably thought it was. Mm-hmm. So Blomkamp was attached to do the a sequel to the first Robocop to disregard the other two Robocop sequels. <laughs> once which, again. Yeah, once again, which I'll be honest, I haven't seen the third one because the, th- the second one was so bad. <laughs> but um, so it was, it was supposed to be a sequel. The script that they were going to use for this re- reboot is a script that was written in the 80s. Oh. So it was written with the intention of it being Robocop 2 at the time. Really? It's written so... by Ed New- Newmayer and Michael Miner, okay. who wrote the original. Oh, okay. Ed, Ed Newmayer also wrote Starship Troopers. Oh. Which is... I've spoken to you about that recently. Yeah. Um, you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. Yeah. Um, and so the plan, the plan here was that mm-hmm. they, would, they would make this script because the script is about it's this because this is weird, right? So <laughs> it was written in the eighties slash nineties as a sequel to the original RoboCop, right? But it had a time jump of thirty years. Okay. So it jumped forward thirty years. So in- right now. Yeah. Which is the right time to do it. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's true. It is about 30 <laughs> years later. Yeah. Um, and it was supposed to be like Robocop comes out of... He's been in like suspended animation for all that time. <laughs> yeah. And they bring him back. But he's not so special anymore because people have like enhancement. Have you, have you seen the film Upgrade? Uh, no, I haven't. No. You heard of it? I've heard of it because I've seen the action bit of <laughs> it. Yeah, well, yeah, they have like cybernetic implants in that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was supposed to be what this is, and they were supposed to be like um, cyborgs and what have you. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting part was that an idea that what it was probably what Blomkamp mainly brought to the table was that he wanted Peter Weller to return. Oh. They okay. wanted to get either Peter Weller to sort of voice and do the face of Robocop. Mm-hmm. Presumably, it'd be somebody else in the suit. Yeah. Also, they wanted to bring back Nancy Allen, who was one of the one of the people in the cast of the first one. Okay. Okay. But an idea that I would absolutely hate <laughs> was that they wanted to use the original RoboCop suit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, looking at Ro- looking back at RoboCop, mm-hmm. I think it's a fun film. I think it's a fun classic. Yeah. I hate the suit. Really? I okay. think it's hideous. <laughs> Do you prefer the new one, the reboot one? I definitely. Oh, okay. For, for, the, for the reboot's flaw, all its flaws. Yeah. And there are many. <laughs> um, I do much prefer the suit. Yeah. It's a bit more streamlined, isn't it? Like, <laughs> modern-ish, I guess. Which is because I, I remember the watching the first Robocop and I didn't really love it or dislike it. I kind of thought it was fine. Um, 
I got why it was popular. I definitely got that because it was a kids movie that was R rated and <laughs> not at all what a kids movie should be. Um, but um, I mean, for example, as a guy that gets he gets um, covered in toxic waste and his skin starts falling off and he starts running around and then he gets like hit by a car and he explodes. And this movie was was literally for kids. It was marketed for a kids film. Like training cards were made for this movie. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah, figures and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I am aware that there are two, two sequels that are not good. Apparently, I've heard at least. Um, I'm just checking. The second one's directed by Irving Kirshner. No way. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh wow. Okay. Irving Kirshner, his um, career is he does it is Empire Strikes Back, which is a popular film, I would say. Um, mm. But also, like you said, Robocop two. And also he did um, a James Bond movie, which is not canon anymore because it was so bad, essentially. Oh, uh, is that... Did you do that one? Where yeah. Where is the... Um, Sean Connery come Never back. Say Never Again. Yeah, it's called that, yeah. It's a James Bond movie that doesn't exist because it's not a part of the official... Um, uh, what do you call the company? Um, MGM? MGM? It might be, yeah. It's not part of that official time uh, canon. Because it was made at the same time as a, as a Roger Moore film, made by the, the official mm. people. Because isn't it um, um, Never Say Never is... Is it the original faithful adaptation of Thunderball or something? I think it is, yeah. But like when it comes to James Bond, if you're faithful or not, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> These people don't really care about the books compared to the movie, I would say, in that case, at least. No, they probably don't. Um, but yeah, Irving Kirstner, interesting, interesting career. <laughs> Yes. So anyway, that's the Robocop one. Um, Neil Blomkamp's not not attached to that anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, What's it called? Robocop. Let me check. (laughs) Robocop Returns, that was what it was supposed to be called. Okay. This is still in development in a way? It is. The the director that's now attached to it is Abe Forsyth. No idea who that is. He's an Australian uh, director. Okay, I trust him. <laughs> um, but it's apparently it's been made on a, a minuscule budget. Okay, so it's not going to be a big blockbuster. No, I think it might be made. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but I think that'd be beneficial towards it because I think it has to go back to being R-rated, I guess, to be captured capture that weird spirit that the first oh, one. Oh yeah, had. it does. Um, like Deadpool, that's a very relatively just to be removed, a low budget movie. Um, and I think it's all better for it because it can, yeah, it doesn't have to go big, keep, keep things small. And I think the first Robocop is a, a small movie in general, but yeah, I don't think it, it could be made with blockbuster intent the same way the reboot was, um, mm. which didn't go well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Oh. It's, a lot, it's a lot of things here. I know. I yeah. think I'm out with that one. Um, my last one. Well, I'm looking through mine, and most of the other ones I've got are just kind of like one lines. Like I haven't got a story behind it. I just know they were going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things like kind of like a quick fire sort of round. Um, James Cameron Spider Man. That was going to be a thing. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. DiCaprio as Peter Parker, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Doc Ock. Um, Is that a joke? <laughs> No, 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 that's real. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Jim. 
was gonna ha- what was gonna happen. Um, oh, and Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi's script um, took took the idea from that script of having the organic web shooters instead of the mechanical ones. Oh, I think that's the only thing that came over. Um, but yeah, uh, also going to be there's also going to be a, a Wesley Snipes Black Panther, um, interesting kind of I guess <laughs> in the nineties. Um, a Wachowski siblings Plastic Man movie starring Keanu Reeves. Um, that was going to be a thing. I don't know anything else about it. <laughs> All you have to do there is just change the title of the film. It could be anything. <laughs> really could it be. <laughs> oh, I was going to talk about Green Latin 2 um, with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, just because be a sequel. I think there was because it had it at the credit scene, um, which had the Sinestro put on the yellow ring and become like the villain, essentially. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Is Sinestro is... Um... It's a big actor, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's um, uh, Mark Strong, I think. The yeah, that sounds familiar. Kingsman, um, the Merlin guy. Um, yeah, Mark Strong, yeah. Yeah, him. Um, oh, there's also going to be a Jack Black, Hal Jordan, uh, Green Lantern movie. Um, I don't know anything else about this movie, aside from they were going to make a parody Green Lantern movie with Jack Black in it. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> no. Um, Thank God mind, that was cancelled. Yeah, bear in mind this came, this is going to happen before any Green Lantern movie ever came out. So they were going to spoof Green Lantern before Green Lantern even was a thing in pop culture. Really. <laughs> um, also, um, it's going to be a, a Josh Trank Boba Fett movie. Um, oh yes, this. Yeah, um, Josh Trank um, made a good movie, then made a real bad movie. <laughs> And his career sort of went on hiatus for a bit, I think. Um, but he was going to, at, so at some point before the, the bad movie, which is the second, the Fantastic Four reboot, he was going to make a Boba Fett Star Wars movie. Um, but yeah, nothing really happened with that. It was too much money, too much trust in a guy that just made a terrible movie. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and he, he was, he's not behaved particularly well since. Not really, no. Not really. <laughs> but... Yeah, I guess my other one that I've got that's got a bit more backstory is um, a Justice League Mortal movie by George Miller, the guy that made Mad Max and different movies like Babe and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He cast Army Hammer as Batman. Ooh. Uh, yeah. That's uh, good. Um, but, however, I think it was going to be about... I think the movie was going to start with the funeral of, the, of one of the, the members. And the movie was going to explain how that funeral happened um, but other than that, we don't know much about it aside from they did cast the entire league. I'm not sure if they were ever confirmed or who they were, but there's definitely going to be a full cast that was definitely in place. However, I think the 2000s writer's strike is what stopped it. Cause mm. at, oh, at, wow. Yeah, because at the same time, the Dark Knight trilogy was happening and they were trying to get Christian Bale, but he wouldn't do it because he wanted to be part of the Nolan trilogy and not go out of that because he wasn't a part of Nolan's vision of, of, that, of those movies. Yeah. Uh, which I completely understand because I don't think I don't really want to see Christian Bale in any other Batman movie because I think he that trilogy is very much his own his own thing. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. I don't want it to be it to be messed with anywhere any sort of comic book. I don't know way at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, around the time of the two thousand two thousand eight, I guess would be when the writer strike was. Um, that kind of like made that project just go away completely. Um. 
and that's my that's my last one i think oh wow yeah this has been a really long recording really two parts man two parts no first there were two parts how do we feel i feel accomplished in life i think yeah. this has probably been one of our most enjoyable ones to do yeah because i feel uh, there's something about almost movies that are just interesting aren't they like i suppose yeah this idea by themselves is just great well i feel like I would mention this, but I think it's pretty much well known that there was the Jewel of Fates Star Wars film as well. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah. I okay. feel like if, if we probably don't have time, if you want to know that, there's a video on Mr. Sunday Movies YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Where that's explained. Yeah. So the episode nine was before episode nine happened essentially. Hmm. So yeah. But yeah, um, I think oh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this one. Same, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, do you want to close up now, or we can do, yeah. Okay. Um, if if you have listened to both parts, yeah, oh, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, because it's been um, been a long one. So if you stuck with us, <laughs> thank yeah. You. yeah, yeah. So uh, I have been your co-host Henry. And you have been Matthew. You're the coast, Matthew. There we go. <laughs> we made it. We made it. We made it, guys. Um, yeah. So if you enjoyed the episode, please uh, listen to some more if you want. We got a lot of episodes now. Um, yeah. We're on. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, follow us on Instagram or at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh, Twitter account as well at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. I think as well. Um, do we're doing a 30 day film challenge so we're doing like different movies that are like things that we like things that we don't like stuff like that uh, mm. so yeah and you'll get like regularly updates on there as well um, yes you will and I, yeah as I always say as well if any any audio problems just let us know because yeah. like <laughs> lockdown we're trying our best <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a perfect system yeah not really um, yeah so thanks for listening uh, yes thank bye. you very much right. see you soon bye